Before you jump into this episode, quick disclaimer, there's a slight audio distortion on my end, but the person being interviewed is completely crisp, so bear with this one and enjoy the show. This is PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast, episode 140, and it would be the perfect time to do yet another interview. He's one of the first few people I really wanted to talk to in the initial stages of this podcast because I feel the podcast serves a purpose in having guys who are being renaissance men as far as having more than one craft to their name. And the gentleman I'm about to introduce to you is a guy who not only works in the audio world as far as making music, he has over 13 pieces of, of music as far as compilations of music of his own creation and partnership with his friends. He's also the lead actor of a show that I'm currently truly enjoying on YouTube known as The Yard. And he took the time to actually hang out with us and it was long overdue, but please welcome my main man, Shoe Kid. How are you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. That was one hell of an intro. <laughs> My brother, I've, I've I've grown up a fan. I'll put it to you that way. I mean, I know it may not come off as genuine, but I'll put it to you this way. As a guy who got into entertainment and music at first, mm-hmm. but never really created a body of work himself, to see mm-hmm. someone come at the heels of after my figuring out that I can't really hack one side of the game and to see you constantly just pushing the envelope with what you do. I'm I'm truly right. I'm I'm in awe of what you've created. I mean, when you told me you had 13 (laughs) albums, I think it was last year. (laughs) And that that you kept on on pushing. That's, that's beautiful stuff, man. Hey, I mean, Coming from you, that means a lot, man. To be honest, because I remember, I remember watching you guys do your thing. You had the MC Africa, and even that moment, the the first time when we met, when you came, the uh, you and Manjora had a gig at Multimedia, right? Yes. And then guys are like, "Yo, Manjora and Point Blank, I, I, they're, they're looking for you." And I was like, "What? Nah, you guys are playing me. Looking for you." Uh, I, I felt, I felt, I thought it was a joke until we met and you guys, we saw each other and you're like, shoot kid. I was like, damn, these guys actually know me, man. <laughs> Bro, I, I'm I, telling I you, at that time, I think you'd already done the the freestyle session, the black and white video in the quarry. I think you'd already done the it cipher. this time, right? The cypher. It was you, um, the genius that is Kev- Kevin Grind, and uh, yeah. Calligraph was also there, I believe. It was a bunch Calligraph of MCs watching in that space. And I remember watching that, and there was something unique about how you did your thing, and it, it really stood out based upon style. And I think yeah. that probably would be the perfect place to really start from in this conversation, where I'd like to know, what would you say was the epitome of MCing for you as a fan growing up? be it from the continent of Africa or somebody from the States? Who was that guy who you looked at and you said, that's an MC? It doesn't have to be local, it could be international as well. Who would you say mm-hmm. was the biggest inspiration for you to say, like, I need to pick a pen up and start writing as a lyricist? Who would you say was your biggest inspiration as an MC? Now, whenever I think of this question, it's really interesting because the first rapper that made me really like rap was Nas. So Nas is always my um my favorite mc but the the album that dropped that made me um really get in the studio was get richard i shine uh-huh. i think when that album dropped um i was always a fan of hip-hop i'd sing along to like all the music i loved Ludacris, nas dmx at that time they were all hot but then for some reason when get richard i tried dropped I was I was I was just rapping every single song on the album and my brothers were like, 
you keep on rapping people's music. Why don't you, why don't, can't you just rap your own? Because I'd rap everywhere, cooking, <laughs> chatting, I'm rapping, I'm doing my homework, I'm rapping. So it ended up being like, why don't you just do your own raps? And I was like, hmm. And I'd really listen to Get Richard Die Trying, and that's how it came about. <laughs> I, Whenever I think about it, it's crazy because 50's never been that, um, that big artist to me, but his that Get Richard Die Trying album had an impact. I think the movement that was 50 Cent is what really impacted people. The way he came out and even the way he hit the whole market running, it was a, an yeah. amazing moment. But here's the funny thing about that question, the way you answered mm-hmm. it. When you said Nas, it actually made mm-hmm. me think back about my inspiration to become an MC. And yeah. for me, weirdly enough, it was when I heard the track Life's a Bitch. And it was AZ who made me want to rap. I was yeah. a bigger fan of AZ than I was a fan of Nas because the way I he used so to flow, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of flow. It's not really about the lyrics yeah. per se, but flow really means a lot to me. AZ, AZ was that, he was like a smooth intellect because what he's saying is so slick and the way he says it on a beat, like... I'm usually, <laughs> I usually feel bad when I recognize every song Nas did with AZ, AZ came out on top of him. That's like my guilty, uh, my guilty truth. <laughs> I don't even blame you. I totally agree with that particular sentiment. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this other element I wanted to touch on because 13 compilations because I, I think it's both mixtapes mm-hmm. and albums or was it just albums that all 13 are of your body of work musically yeah the, the 10 so it's 10 albums or 10 mixtapes hello hello i'm asking is it huh? 10 mixtapes or 10 albums because so, i know it's 13 no. bodies of music the the all I've never I've never felt and maybe this is something that I need to change because mm-hmm. time goes but on my personal opinion is I never felt like I'm album ready yet uh-huh. uh, in terms of like uh, working environment and the kind of effort I'd want to put in especially for my debut album so mm-hmm. like Shukid season being my most recent project I was almost unaware of what and you know like the Drake era when mm-hmm. Drake and them were coming up. They, they changed what mixtapes were. Initially, cool. a mixtape would be completely like downloaded beats or like beats from a hot record. But now we're releasing mixtapes that sound like albums. This and is even true. In the whole, yeah, even in the whole process of like releasing these mixtapes, we're releasing them kind of how you'd release an album. So when I was putting out Shukit Season, I was kind of confused on what to call it. I just call it a project, but I've never felt like I'm album ready yet in terms of what I'd want for my debut. So it's safe to say you've had the degree of sophomore jinx in in, the, in regards to saying this is officially my album, this is my body of work. Yeah. I don't blame you because when I did PBE Volume 1, I, I didn't uh-huh. have the perfect idea of the follow-up project. And uh-huh. at that time, it was always affected by the whole idea of am I able to earn a living from this because I would just moved back home uh-huh. after things going sideways. And when I did PBE Volume 1, the kind of 
volatility to actually get something yeah. that was there and that velocity didn't really keep on going because sometimes you can just ride a wave for as long as you can which actually makes me want to ask you yeah. about this particular take because when you when you said you described the shukit season as a project and i like how you put that yeah. do you see yourself eventually making an album yeah i mean i already have the title mm-hmm. i already know what I want my first album to sound like so I'm just giving up to that and the beauty about it taking a bit more time is there's more stories or more things I'm learning that I'm gonna apply to that album if all goes well I should be able to do one between this and next year but I just there's certain things that I really need the certain sounds because I want to I want to make rich sounds mm-hmm. so I need to prepare my producers for that um I want to make on a use like you know uh, like choir voices and that kind of stuff so i'm trying to figure out how i can apply that in the in the whole project so yeah shukit album number one is coming i'm glad to hear that so you're, you're thinking of having more than one producer on the album because i've noticed that the trend has been you just have one guy work on the project start to finish and have that one vision go for you no 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 i think i'll have i'll have different producers I'll have different producers on this. What I usually do is I have one executive engineer, mm-hmm. but then I have I have um, several producers coming together. Some some collaborate on some beats. Some beats I just you know I pick up from how I I listen to it. So I'll definitely have production from about maybe I'm not looking at more than four guys, three four mm-hmm. guys probably. Yeah. So would you say by having one engineer, it makes sure that the sound quality is maintained and the tempo of every beat that is produced actually stays at par with one another? Is that the angle? I feel that way too, because if it's one executive engineer and I give him, let's say, my um, my track list, I like, I'm not a dominant artist. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I usually try to get out uh, to people. I like I like collaborating minds. So if this one executive engineer is listening to the whole album while they're mixing it, and they have the track list, they can also give me input of like other sounds to apply, you know, some of those skits. So they have one ear, they're listening to the project too. And they kind of, through, through the time, they also end up being part of the project. So they're like, yo, I think you should add this, or I think uh, this track needs to be redone, or this track is irrelevant, that kind of thing. So that's why I have one executive engineer. He'll maintain the sound, like you said, and he'll also have some input at some point. What album would you say from the recent past that, like, because because the one thing I love about the current age in music is every generation who which loves a specific sound has its tailor-made artists to take care of it. Like for me, I always love the old school boom bap flow more than anything yeah. else. So I know I'm taken care of because guys like Little Brother are still making music. Royce the Five Nine came up with an amazing album that came out this year, yeah. and. What album would you say of, of recent years when you heard it sonically? You said, yeah. this guy's onto something. The album that I still play, like the most frequently played album on my playlist right now, has to be um, All American Badass. That's Joey Badass, right? Joey Badass, yeah. That album just, and you know, that, that it, stuff like that gets me conflicted because when I came in the game, I was a boom bap guy. Like, mm-hmm. I was a rapper, rapper. But then mm-hmm. there wasn't too many boom bap beats being made. So somehow through diversity, and I'm not complaining, I think it's just something you, you grow and you adapt. I became sure. 
yeah, I think people view me as a as a trap guy because I guess also came up in the era where trap was heavy and those were the beats dominating the scene. But then when it comes like to what I listen to, I really like mm. it's I sometimes um I get conflicted and I don't know how to describe my my genre because something like all American badass, I won't even say it's super boom bap. And it's not it's not trappy. There's like one or two trap records, but the way it just sounded, he has a lot of um how do I put it? Like some of the choruses, some of the instrumentation, it's just different. So that has to be my most frequently played album. That that is a perfect album to me. I don't even disagree with you. And I would say this, I don't think I think only a fool would pigeonhole you into one box as far as yeah. because you belong, belong to a certain generation that you can't listen to everything else or you can't contribute to everything else. I think that would be a great injustice to you because also when I, when I heard you flow, I know there's a bit of boom bap in you. And the number of interviews I've heard of guys like Lil Wayne being talked to, they always talk about how he was always doing boom bap stuff, but he would play the yeah. New Orleans type music so he could earn a living. So I get that. And... I don't. I don't think uh, All American Badass is a bad choice. That was a beautiful album, and yeah, I think really. another advantage he had was the years he had worked with guys like Premier and Static Selector, especially yeah. Static Selector, because Static is the Stat- same guy who in his, the, uh, the album called Eight. That guy went trap. He went boom bap. He, he went mm-hmm. everywhere. Everywhere, and it still worked. Mm-hmm. Here's another question I have for you, and. Feel free to even bow out of this question because the last thing I want to do is try and make you look like you're being pigeonholed for trigger type questions. I'm not doing that. That I leave that for yeah. guys like Pulse and all that. So yeah. if you look at your experiences getting into yeah. the game now officially after being told by older brothers like, yo, man, why, why not just make your own raps? And then finally yeah. making your own raps, coming into the scene and seeing how the scene was treating itself prior to you even starting to contribute. Would you say yeah. the experience you had made you lose hope in the game or just gave you more energy to be in the game? Man, that's a really good question because naturally, as a hustler, mm-hmm. when you see a void, you feel like you want to fill that void, right? That's how business True works. Indeed. True indeed. There's a, lack, there's a lack of this, so you want to provide that thing that's lacking. So... In, 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 the, in that... Uh, aspect that's how mm-hmm. I, I I look at the industry I keep mm-hmm. on feeling like there's something missing and I'm that something so that gives me drive I always want to continue and I keep on feeling like yeah they're, they're gonna know some sometimes you get feedback and it's like guys are saying that without you having to tell them and you're like I right, so you know I'm on the right path I'm giving them the product but then now when it comes to like seeing the results and mostly this doesn't even come internal mm-hmm. it comes from outside energy because you see you have you have people that care about you you have parents you have maybe a girlfriend you have family and stuff like that so when when stuff isn't working out for you in turn they feel the pain because if they need your help you're not there so it's like but i thought you rap if this if this stuff isn't if it's not hooking you up then why are you still doing it so there's moments like those especially doing the come up come up where it's like man uh, yeah i I feel like i'm tired you know 
the, the whole idea of like you want to show that it's an actual living but you feel trapped because there's responsibilities that have to be handled and you want to be yeah. that responsible individual because at the end yeah. of the day a man got to eat and i i hear you because that used to be the conflict i always had with myself and it's literally why i think that, for me so just the rap side mm. i know i can rap i know i'm yeah. good at it and i know i can contribute a lot to rap but i yeah. just personally i didn't like how the systems were working because it feels as if i've even been having this frustration and it's actually one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you because you came like a, a, yeah. a singular generation after my generation and you did so much because you love the game and you're willing to put in the work for the game I always felt as if if I jump in and I keep complaining about the industry and I'm not 1000% in the industry it comes off as fakery. And the the the, the thing that's sad about it is mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah. I'll go say like what what people don't understand with with something like this is and it might not be that important to to someone else but we end up losing so many amazing artists and in all aspects R&B hip hop um even the commercialized music not everyone makes it that fast or the industry sometimes a facade you, you see some of these people but then some of the stories you read like we lost we lost one entertainer recently right a gospel guy I didn't know much about him or anything like that but but when I went back to the stories and I'm reading up and you're realizing it's really just a facade even after all these years in the game I still get shocked when I see some things are still fake you know so For people sure. expect people expect you to look like the guy on TV if you're doing the thing that you're saying you're doing Would you say that whole idea of being perceived as the recording artist or being perceived a certain way is yeah. something we need to just drop and just focus on craft because i we can clearly tell for example with the excesses of people in not only visual art but even verbal arts guys are just taking themselves out and instead of just accepting that yo we can't all yeah. look like utter superstars would you say we need to take a step back and focus on craft more than how we are viewed as far as fiscal gain money and all that we definitely should but i feel like it's it's a little a little too late now because Now you see this this is outside energy. Mm-hmm. This is outside energy working on us. And, and it it ends up being like sometimes it eats you up in your head. You might not have the intention of wanting to 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 create that facade. Mm-hmm. But then it's like it sometimes just catches up with people because now you have a gig so you you're going to need to look fresh. It doesn't matter how you're going to get the clothes whether you're going to borrow whether you're going to buy at the end of the day people just want to see a fresh artist. Because mm-hmm. we we also have this thing where it's like money begets money. So a lot of people are just trying to put up this image with the hopes that it'll bear what we've been taught all these years. You're told you look like money. You walk into a room, you can get some money. I always When, found that to be so weird. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. I don't know where these practices come from, but I mean that's how it is. Most people tell you they're sharp because. They don't want to be kicked out of an office and stuff like that. So we, I feel like it's one of those things, it's out of our control now. It's already gone because even that fakeness, what some people don't realize, it still costs money. 
So oh, even a lot of a lot of artists that are being funded, you end up losing out on money mostly because of that part. It's not because albums didn't sell or whatever, but your label spends so much in your jewelry and, and your clothing and all these other things around the music that you don't even see. So now when when and the label's dropping you and they're telling you, bro, you're rocking Gucci and Louis V all year long. <laughs> Who do you think was paying for that? So I feel like it's something I would personally love to do away with. But it's I, it's it's too deep. It's too deep now. I'd say it's not. And it's actually the cool thing about this because I, I love that what, what we're doing is having a conversation. It's not like it's an interview or anything. Because yeah. I personally found my way around it and here's how I find it to be convenient yeah. for me. I never, like, yes, I get you have to look the part, and I always do look the part. I always make sure I'm sharp enough with everything. Even if it's new gear, I know how to make sure that works and it doesn't break the bank or anything like that. But the one thing I always make certain is I don't go past a certain number. I yeah. think it, we can still play the game that way because being a dandy, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being flash and peacocking on stage to look good because everybody wants to see the whole idea of how you perceive yourself yeah. in the mind. Because when you think about it, yeah. old school rappers, you wore all that flashy stuff because you want to be perceived as that. But yeah. I think the counter I gave myself was I found a style that just works for me and doesn't hurt me to to dress up. Like I I, I definitely do wear the, the necklaces mm-hmm. and the and the rings and all that, but I never go past a figure that just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah. Because if you start looking at it as liabilities, it just completely yeah. hurts the whole idea and everything. Yeah, I do the same. But, I uh-huh. no, you keep going. Yeah, like um, like you say, you do it to a certain limit. Don't push yourself to a point where it's like you're struggling. That means it's not you anymore. Anything beyond that, it's not you anymore. And I try to do the same thing. I try to make sure like I have my style mm-hmm. and just be clean and fresh. You'll still you'll still pull. Exactly. And that's the thing. And I keep on telling guys like not most of the people like, like when you talk about the, the gospel artists and everything. Because I heard those stories and whenever I think about those things I'm I'm saddened, especially if it's a gospel artist who's going through that, because you think the the institution that lets you come in in the, in the simplest form would accept you as you learn and grow slowly. And I, don't, I think also there's a pressure, a social pressure that is born from the whole living in the world where everything is visual and you can't just be verbal and have life be accepted in what you're trying to do with yourself. It's It's always been hilarious to me and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it, it actually made me want to bring this up because I, the thing I love about your journey is the trajectory as far as having a body of work. I believe the back catalog will always have a place to go and will always have a place to generate you a degree of income in the in the foreseeable future and everything. Mm-hmm. The thing I loved yeah. most about your journey is when I saw your acting in the yard, <laughs> you, you you looked very comfortable in being a character who not only is playing, it's like you're playing yourself, but with these kind small of, yeah. added elements here and there. When they yeah. pitched the yard to you, what was your interest in wanting to play the part of the key of the lead actor? So first of all, I was just I took up the opportunity to be a lead actor. I've always loved film i have i have a i just haven't had the opportunities especially the opportunities that i want so when these guys approached me with the yard and he showed me the script and the storyline i took it up real quick because first of all 
I felt like this was something alternative coming out of Kenya. If I'm going to be part of something, I wanted to be part of something dope. And no disrespect to everything that's on TV and all that, but I hadn't seen that yet. So much as the yard is pretty much me depicting a, a character that's very much like me in real life, I just decided like I wanted to go all in. And I hope I'm, I was hoping people would see that I've gone all in because, you know, there's people out there that don't know I'm an artist. They'll come to learn about it later on. So for me, it was a matter of like you have an opportunity of something that's, you know, dope, different out of everything else you've seen. Go all in with it because I'm hoping through this more opportunities will come up to play different roles, not just artistic roles, but dope productions. Like we have so many good projects that happen in Kenya. And you see, just like this one, no one really got to know if we're shooting in progress. It all happens behind closed doors. And that's pretty much how the scene operates. You know, if you're not in, if you're not talking to certain people or we like to call them the right people, things will just happen under your nose and you'll only hear about them after they're done. I'm sure you I'm sure you know this because one day you're all hustling, boom. Next thing you wake up, Nairobi Half Life is out. You're like, when did guys even shoot this stuff? And maybe exactly. You know? And that's the thing I loved about it because I, I remember the, the morning we spoke about it and I, I think I initially saw bits and pieces and clips yeah. on Facebook initially, but it was years back. And yeah. When I saw the the relaunch of it on YouTube and the new episodes, and I to see the old school alchemist with the bus in the back, and it was still like the tent before they made the new structures and all upgrade and everything. Another thing I loved about it is the number of people in the show who are literally just local talent from the scene. And outside looking in, in my head, this this the I'd like, like if the little you can actually add in here, I really I would appreciate. Here's how I, how I see the yard outside looking in mm-hmm. artists have a great catalog of music they have no way to get it played not only on radio or on television because nobody right. wants to pay local creation right. because it just means money coming out mm-hmm. local institutions as far as the money is concerned they don't want to play ball also because they feel that it would end up making them have to pay revenue and give numbers yeah. and quantify how much they've actually made with you right and yeah. away from that a, a person came up with a script had a couple of producers in mind who have sp- certain venues that could be used as shooting locations and yeah. since the artists themselves have a catalog use their music as the yeah. backup music so you're actually marketing their music and that exactly. was when i was watching the first episode mm-hmm. and when i got to the second and third and seeing the the link for boom for boom play in the corner and having yeah. this is the artist and this is the song i was like they can actually monetize now you're being yeah. marketed you're playing a part in the show you get to show your other processes as far as the different skills that you have and exactly. you get to be visually captivating to a generation mm-hmm. would, would, would that... i be off the mark in that because i think my thinking is the price that the guy gets is you're immortalizing an original script and mm-hmm your music gets marketed at the same time and it's immortalized as well. Yeah. So, like, you're really nail on with it. Because you see, for example, I'll share an experience. Okay. The, 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 what's it called? The theme track is Say What You Want. Yes. I released Say What You Want on my Too Much To Offer uh, mixtape, I think, in 2015. 
if I'm not well wrong. Well done. Well done. 2015 or 16. I think it must have been 16 because it was after I was a freshman. I was a freshman in 15. Mm-hmm. And through this, you know, more people who are more into film and not and not uh, music maybe are getting to hear these records. And when I'm going through the comments in, in on, on YouTube, this guy is asking for the music. So you see what it's done is it's made a record relive. Like it's shooked, uh, what's it called? Too much to, uh, confusing everything. Um, Dude, you got 13 plus compilations of music. I'm not shocked you're confused a little bit. <laughs> you know, these names just keep coming out. But yeah, so you see now, say what you want gets to live again and, you know, see more potential. And lately, my mantra, a lot of guys are asking me why no new music in 2020 just yet. Even last year, I didn't really release records because mm-hmm. my thing has been... My thing has been giving the music longevity. I want music to have longevity because that's how that's how legends are. You 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 look at people like Redman and Method Man, and then you hear that they're touring now off an album they did a few years back. Uh, what's the name of these guys? They did that as well. Um, Fife, Q-Tip, A Tribe Called Quest, but Tribe Called but like Quest. you said, Method Man, Wu Tang. I've been eating off an album from like. 89 forever i mean they're on tour in japan just doing they're still doing the songs from uh 36 chambers and we're happy to see them there's a series based upon their lives and everything yep so that's that's been my whole argument this entire time i'm tired of us artists just being in such a rush to release music and not fully um and not fully uh what do we call and not fully uh, see the results of the current music that you already have. In my own opinion, Shukin mm-hmm. Season was a great body of work, my most recent one. And I keep mm-hmm. on listening to it and I'm like, man, will people feel? Do people feel what I'm feeling or is it just me because it's mine? And for that reason, I decided let it, let it stay out there longer. Mm-hmm. Let it just be out there longer before I'm trying to, you know, overshadow it with my next body of work. I know we're in a... We're in an era where people's attention is really low and people always want what's hot. But when we're talking just a few moments ago about the, like how we conduct our business, that's that's one thing that now I want to take in my own hands. I don't want to play according to the to the standards. I don't want to, because now coronavirus is a thing. I drop a record about coronavirus. Tomorrow, something else will be up. I drop a record for that. I'm not trying to be like that because you see how Nas... Nas is a stillmatic is still feeding him to date. Elmatic sure. he, he released Elmatic in what year? Like, like I think it was what 94, 95, somewhere around there. And you're absolutely right because I've actively been telling guys sometimes you just have to move in silence. And I think that's an advantage you guys had. When I look at the like visually, when I look at the timeline of the yard, it's been around and it's been created for quite some time. And I have to tell you, two characters already stand out for me. There's the chick who's the girlfriend to the studio owner. I think her name's Sally in the show. Sally the boss something. Yeah, Sally. Sally's scary as hell because I think there's an angle (laughs) with her that just is impressive. And Moha. Moha is the dawn Uh. of and I loved Moha's acting. The, uh, what's his name? His name is Blessings, right? The, 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 the actor's name? His real name is Blessing. Blessing. Yeah. Per- perfect name for a perfect actor. Because that dude 
when he needs to be creepy, he's creepy. When he needs to be charismatic, he's charismatic. And I don't know who Moses is because I know Moses is the, is, the, is the director of the show, and I think he also writes the script. I'm not sure, but to whoever is behind this, props, man. I am a fan. I I love it when people take times to have. And this I know this world is used a lot because I, I I'm constantly binging on the Joe Budden podcast and the double entendre in a script that you guys yeah. have going is yeah. amazing and for me like I, i'm yet i know that the new episode is out i think it's episode what four or five yeah. episode five now when i saw you get arrested a spoiler alert when i saw you get arrested or captured in the last episode I'm like man this kid never catches a break i mean what the hell is going on here can he shoot his shot i mean what the hell <laughs> it's just it's just not working now for dash man and I'm looking at it and I'm like, yo, this is great. And I, I truly pray that the spirit that you guys have with this show continues because you got to move in silence. I, for one, have been working on an, an animation film, which I always talk about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've been working on it for seven years, going on eight. And we even had a pilot for the show and it never oh. got picked up. So we made the film. And when we, when we finish the film, it's going to make sense to people because I think a degree of patience is important. And I love that you have already personally made the decision to have your music live a little longer so that it actually garners mm-hmm. its own audience and you have, can curate your own corner that would go to any concert yeah. that you do across the globe. Because, hey, we live in a global village now, right? Boundaries only in the real world, yeah, not in the digital world. So yeah. I got to give you guys props for that. And I'm I'm happy that the artists that you work with are all from not only my generation of people who've been around a while and they're actually taking the time to act mm-hmm. and all that and to see even yeah. younger artists doing their thing. Like Barack really does know how to play off as an asshole. I literally just saw him start talking. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hate this guy. <laughs> I'm going to hate this guy, but I like him. I like <laughs> where he's going with this. The, f- the funny thing with the, the yard, okay, I've never been on too many sets. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the privilege of knowing what it's like to be on set on the regular. But what I can say about when we were doing the yard, it was all like we became a family instantly. You know, everyone was just cooperative. No one, no one slacked on no one else's time. No one, you know, showed up and didn't show out. Like, I think everyone's mind was in the right place. And you can tell even with like how it was being shot and how it's being edited. You guys are doing their best still to make sure it's a, it was an amazing project. So everyone everyone wasn't playing, man. Barack was hungry. I was hungry. Sally was hungry. And, you know, some, some parts I wasn't there for the shooting. So I'm watching The Yard, honestly, like a fan. <laughs> it's a good thing because I think that there's no difference between you guys and what you're doing with Spike mm-hmm. Lee and what he was doing when he did do the right thing making an environment exactly. where guys are comfortable enough to learn their own method. There's, there's no real like science to how many things are done out here. I think we all learn as we go. And mm-hmm. I've always been a person who learns from the field myself. So I, I love that you guys are actually doing this. And how long is the show intended to run? Is it going to be something that's actually sequenced to like a couple of number of episodes and then it stops? Or is it so, something that's going to go be serialized for a while? So we already shot the entire season one. Nice. And um, so we have 10 episodes for you guys. We're just halfway. I love that. That's really yeah. dope. 10 yeah. episodes already shot and everything is just a matter of releasing. It's just releasing them every Thursday. There's no, 
rushes in between the week where it's like, sorry, we might not have it. We shot everything. We edited everything. Even got a few different angles for the edits and stuff like that. And when it was finally ready to come out, that's when... Because you see, even in the process, like, I guess we're looking for, um, or Moses, I'd say, was looking for, I don't know if I call it sponsorship or commissioning. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen. And at, at some point, just like any human would be, I guess we, we got a little bit frustrated because it took so long. I think we shot this, what, two, three years ago? But people mm-hmm. who are in the business will tell you, bro, it takes ages. It takes forever. Blessing Blessing himself was telling me there's a movie they shot, I don't know what year, and it's still never come out. So, it's, it's you know, it's just part of the learning curve. So the 10 episodes are ready. We're hoping. We're hoping we're going to get someone who can jump on. And, you know, if anyone is hearing this and you got that money, <laughs> that film money, we're looking for someone who can help us get uh, season two up. Because I believe it's already scripted, it's ready to go. We just need we need the support to get it done. Because I don't know if I'm leaking too much information, but like season two is supposed to be, it's supposed to be epic. We we doing we doing we adding SA in the picture, we adding Dubai in the picture. So it's gonna need it's gonna need some you know some pocket change. Hey man, even if it's leaking of information, I'm a big fan of what you guys are trying to create. And I'm a, I'm a fan of anyone who takes the time to build something from scratch, man. And if it's even possible for me to just even by me having this interview with you, if anybody else in the cast would be game to have a, actually have a call, uh, a call with me and we talk about the show and even the frustrations or the, the joy that comes from making this stuff, I would love to interview you guys. Because sure, I think sure. sometimes if the conversation goes and it continues yeah. to grow, it, it adds yes. strength to the work because I'm, I'm a firm believer in building from scratch, man. And if if my contribution would be just me talking about it here, I'm game to do that with any person who's actually game to talk, man. And also, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys who I'd yeah. love to get to a point in my career where I could actually just wake up and just write a check and tell guys, yeah, go, go finish that thing. Let's put that thing out. Hit or miss, you whatever. Know? Just put it out. And you, you'd think with every guy who's actually looting the country dry, We'd have a couple of films yeah. out here by now. But <laughs> I think yeah, capitalism so. is built for a different kind. You know, I've always wondered, man, like, how is one of these people that's looting us dry? How are they not investing in athletes or artists? I, I, personally, I personally feel like, and I could be wrong, maybe it's because I'm an artist, but I personally feel like artists, are the, your, artists and athletes are any country's most unique exports because you can't have another michael jordan you can't have another Kobe. you can have guys that's nice you can have guys that but the fact that kobe belongs to you say our athletes like congestina if she belongs to us and we treat her as ours she'll forever be an ambassador of you know our country so these not, guys not, that alluded- not even by name, they just by the work that she does, she'd become that ambassador. Yeah. And I think I think the problem most people have with that, because I totally get where you're coming from with this, because yeah. I've always had that beef with a lot of people when I tell them, like, yo, you want to make an impactful move out there. Sometimes you just have to take a bet with a person who is trying something. Hit or miss, mm-hmm. just try. I mean... Like the nature of how everybody wants to talk about support certain artists and support certain uh, athletes and really support them when they have a, chal- a challenge or a tournament they're playing out there. There's no tournaments happening locally where they could actually just showcase themselves. And I think it's a problem of 
it's a generational problem because most guys are not willing to build things up or they're not willing to create things that would actually require more time because I feel that's a big problem that exists. People are not patient with the process because sometimes you can't just make, we can't make a billy after three, four years of doing something. You have to take time to actually get to the position of actually making big money. I, th- I think it's, it's combined uh, blame. Mm-hmm. I usually I like I like to call things narrative. When something has been told so much, mm-hmm. I call it a narrative. So I believe we've had this um this narrative of arts arts doesn't pay. I believe oh, yeah. I believe people started that narrative on purpose to, oh, to, for sure. to make us blind and yet they reap because if you look at uh, organizations like Orchard Mm-hmm. They've existed in this country for years since people started registering to MCSK, but it's not even local. But of course, they have you know they have a head office where it's there's a few delegates from Kenya probably, and instead of sharing that knowledge so we could have our own orchard, our own BMI type of thing going on, they rather eat. So they'll tell you, "Don't be an artist; it doesn't pay." So that you you send that message to the next person, but knowing damn well that people are gonna try anyway. I think so it's you. actually a game in the in in the, in the narrative as you explained it, because when you think about every uh, type of uh, authoritarian type existence, the one thing they normally fear yeah. are the entertainers and the artists because they can see through the nonsense. So by disenfranchising us early yeah. and selling us, it can't be a career because art has been seen as a handicap forever. But when you start making money from yeah. it, it becomes a problem because we can speak to power without fear or favor. Okay. And I think it's a move that they're trying to do. You but I firmly the believe they, can, they, they, yeah. they don't want you to walk in the room because they know you know your worth and they're scared of a person who knows their value. So we, we will yeah. change the game on them. But I'm glad we got time to talk. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of weird that if, that 40 minutes have flown by so fast, but I'm super, super glad you took the time to talk to me. <laughs> talk to me about both your music and I'm sure there's even more we could have dove into and I'm certain we'll get the chance so to do that again. Man. Fam, for I you, so. I'm Very glad soon. I got to do this. We're going to do it, man. And hey, I don't even know what part I could play. I, I, I'd be a bartender on that show if I get the chance. Just to be able to just hand you <laughs> your drink as you say your lines, I'd do that. I, not even for pay, yeah, just put my know, name on we'll, it. Just put it on the end credits of the game. <laughs> we'll talk on the side. For sure, for sure. Because <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to talk to you about your animation. Because, because I'm a voice actor by profession. Actually, that's what I do on the daily. So, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm an, really. I'm going to sharp in that too. I want you to shop in that too because I intend to actually do that more as as the future comes. So we're definitely going to put that into perspective. But for now, I'm going to call this episode into a close. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking the time to listen. Thank you, Shoe Kid, for taking the time to talk to us. We're not only about your acting pursuits and your music pursuits, and we're going to keep it pushing. But as always, people, be Caesar or Mm -hmm. be nothing at all. Be good. Take care of yourselves. Until next time. Peace. One time.